So there's this guy who, who invites, his, he invites his friend to church. And uh, the, the friend's very interested in, in, in kind of how things work, but he's never really been a part. And so um, he tells the, the friend that invited him, he says, you know, a- along the way, I, I may ask you some, some questions. I just need you to kind of fill me in as things go along. And the guy that invites him says, oh, sure, that's perfect, no problem. And so uh, before, before things, things begin, the, the lights kind of uh, dim a little bit and then come back up. And he asked his friend that invited him, he says, so what's, what's that mean? And his friend says, well, that just means we're, we're about to start. So a little bit later on, uh, the, the song leader steps down and there's uh, someone walking to the podium and he leans over and he says, oh, this guy's walking up, you know, what's that mean? And his friend says, oh, well, he's, he's about to lead us in prayer. And then, then later on, the, the preacher's preaching, and the preacher's been preaching for, for quite a while, and the guy notices that the preacher keeps turning, and he keeps looking at his watch. And so after a little while, at noticing this, he leans over to his friend, and he says, hey, I keep noticing the, the preacher keeps looking at his watch. What's that mean? And the friend goes, oh, that, no, that, that doesn't mean anything at all. <laughs> now, uh, I, start, I start with that joke. Uh, and, and yet about two weeks ago, the battery on my watch went out, and so I'm not wearing one today, and, um, and yet I do try to hold to the idea that a preacher stands up to be heard uh, and sits down to be appreciated, and so we'll, uh, we'll see where, where our time and uh, where the Lord leads us today. I'm just very grateful um, for, for every person who is here this morning, whether this is your church home and you are a part of this church family week in and, and week out. Or maybe you, uh, you're here for the first time and you had a, a friend or family member that invited you or maybe someone that did a little more than invite you. Maybe they twisted your arm to be there, be here with them, with them today. Whatever the case, we here at Eastridge, we believe that our, our God doesn't do random. And so we are here today together for, for a purpose. And yet if you are a guest... And uh, you've chosen to be here with us, and uh, whether you had a friend or family invite you, or for some reason you just decided to give us a shot today, we are so very grateful for that, and grateful for what God is, is the capacity that God has to be who He is to His, to his people. Uh, I do want to say, to make mention of, of this, if you go to the next slide there, um, on Sunday mornings right now, we are in the middle of a, of a series that we're calling What's Right with Church. Not what's wrong with church, what's right with church. Not in some sort of uh, self-affirming or even self-serving sort of, sort of way. But we've spent the last three weeks focused upon this theme, this, this topic, in order for us to better center ourselves upon who we are called to be and what God has called us to as His church. Uh, We're taking a break from that today, uh, and yet we're going to pick up with it for the next couple of weeks starting next Sunday. And so if you're if you're a a guest here and, uh, you know, whatever your experience is, if you're looking for a church home, um, I want to encourage you. Maybe I don't know, maybe if you're you're tempted to give us a shot here, uh, go to our our website eastridge.cc. You can find our YouTube channel. Listen to the last couple of weeks messages and not in in come back for the for the next couple of weeks to to uh, just kind of see what we're focused upon as a as a church family and give us a give us a try whatever your church background experience I, if if you have if you have no church background we recognize that it can be uh it can be an intimidating thing to walk into a church 
a church setting. If you've maybe had some negative experiences in faith or with church people in the past, we recognize that it takes great courage to be with us, uh, be with us today. But if you're looking for a church home, give us a try. We're not perfect. Uh, this is not, Dwight will tell us at times, this is not the promised land. Um, and yet you can, you can get there from here. And so I'm just grateful for what God is, is doing here, here in this place. And, and so what better way to get us settled into a, to a Friends Day sermon than maybe with a few church memes. Now, if you're of, of a certain generation, you may be saying to yourself, okay, Jason, what's a meme? Just think, still picture, cartoon, all right? And yet, generally, pictures instead of drawings. And as you see these, you might be thinking to yourself, oh, meme, I thought the word was meme. No, the word is meme. Mimi's the lady on the Drew Carey show. And so, and so just a few church memes to get us started with uh, that are just sort of, sort of random. Go to the next slide there, Don. Whoever wrote the song, Easy Like Sunday Morning, didn't take his kids to church on a regular basis. All right, go to the next slide there. Technically, Moses was the first person with a tablet downloading data from the cloud. This is true. I go to the next one. Ha! That face you make when the lady behind you takes too long to open her peppermint. Church people. This one, I have to say, I really, I really appreciate Adam, uh, Alan Middleton for contributing this one, as I asked the office staff to, because he, he knows my affinity toward Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Uh, we've had one service, yes, but what about second service? Evening service, Wednesday night class, small group. And, and if you're not a Lord of the Rings person, you have no idea why that's funny, but that's okay. All right, go to the next one. Again, uh, one does not simply leave church without their mom talking to everyone. All right, go to the next one. The preacher calls out exactly what you're going through. Love that one. All right, go to the next one. What your cell phone sounds like in church. It's funny whenever that happens, when the cell phone goes off, or maybe even whenever somebody's tablet begins to read the Bible to them, just hand it to someone that's young. They can turn it off for you. All right, go to the next one. Do you exercise much? Yes, I walk with the Lord daily. Love that. Go to the next one. Christians, be like, Lord, bless this food. We are about to receive... No matter how unhealthy it is. This one, I love this. Okay, God, what are they doing down there? Angel, they're making milk from almonds. God, what? I gave them like eight animals to get milk from. Angel, they don't like the milk. God, they don't like the milk. <laughs> All right, go to the next slide there. This along the same sort of lines, you got the, you know, the, the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus is trying to feed them. I can't eat that, I'm vegan. Uh, has the fish been tested for mercury? Is that bread gluten-free? I right, go to the next one. I mean, we've been there, right? That awkward moment when you're at church and you go for a handshake and then poof, they go for a hug. I right, go to the next one. Loved this one. I'm, if you can't read it, it says, I'm drowning. It's a, this is Peter, right? Uh, Jesus walking on water, Peter giving it a shot. Peter saying, I'm drowning, and Jesus saying, hi, drowning, I'm Jesus. <laughs> All right, go to the next one. 
when you know it's God's plan, but you're still scared. <laughs> this one, love this one. Jesus, table for 26, please. Waiter, but there are only 13 of you. Jesus, right, but we're all going to sit on the same side. <laughs> this one, not going to church because of the hypocrites is like not going to the gym because of all the out-of-shape people. Love that. Love that. And then this one. This is Martin Luther, of course. I don't always nail things to church doors, but when I do, stuff starts to happen. <laughs> Love that one. Uh, Friends Day. Uh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity that our God has given us today to be able to come together. Grateful for who God is and what God calls us to. And if you're a guest, we are so very grateful that you would choose to, to be here with us. We are striving as a church family to love God, and we're striving as a church family to love others. And we believe a crucial component in being believers, being those who follow Jesus, is following Him together, journeying alongside of one another, being church, not just doing church, and journeying alongside of one another. Isaiah chapter 43 just the first few verses here. God, through His servant Isaiah, speaks these words. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob. He who formed you, O Israel. And I love the language. He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are Mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, I will not sweep over you. When you walk through the, the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The people of God in this, in this text, many of God's people, Israel, they are in exile. Meaning that there are, there are many who have been captured by enemy nations. There are those who have been taken into captivity and they, they are being taken into slavery. There is this remnant that has been left behind as these conquering nations are defeating Israel. They are taking those that are useful into slavery. Those that get in their way, they kill. And then there are those that they deem as of no use. Talk about a shot to the ego. The remnant are those that are left behind that are not even worthwhile, not even worthy to serve as slaves to the nations. There's also those who are in Judah. And this is going to be their future. It hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. They're going to be defeated. They're going to be destroyed. God speaks through Isaiah and says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, I will not sweep over you. It's a reminder of the crossing of the Red Sea. It's a reminder of the crossing of the Jordan River. 
When you walk through the fire, I will, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. It reminds me of the story of Daniel. of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. These are all redemption stories. You see, every story, every story that's worthwhile is a redemption story. I want for you to think of your favorite movie. Think of your, whatever your favorite movie is in mind. What's your favorite movie? Have something in mind? For, for me, right now, I'm thinking, well, I'm thinking The Hobbit, which is, I guess, actually three movies, but it's one book, and so it counts. Um, I'm thinking The Quiet Man um, with John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara. Whatever your favorite movie, whatever your favorite movie, I bet... I bet it's a movie where some, some, at some point along the way, there's some sort of pain involved. Some sort of turmoil. Some sort of upheaval. Some sort of disappointment. Some sort of conflict. But then there's redemption. Every worthwhile story is a redemption story. Think of the Bible, whether it's Noah or Abraham or Joseph or Moses or Ruth or Rahab, even Job, especially Job. They're all redemption stories. The story of Adam and Eve ultimately is a story of redemption, is it not? In Jesus. The story of Jesus is one of pain and turmoil and upheaval on Friday. But on Sunday, on Sunday, God redeems the story. On Sunday, God redeems the pain of Friday. And ultimately, on Resurrection Sunday, on that Resurrection Sunday nearly 2,000 years ago, on that day, God threw Christ, He redeemed every day. He redeemed every day before that moment and redeemed every day after that moment. Every day that's yet to come. Every day that ever will be. This is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. And this is the covenant name of God that's being evoked here. God is a God of covenant relationship with His people. Fear not, I have redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, I will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. God in these verses, God is speaking to His people. Some of whom have experienced some awful, awful things. Some of who are going through, they're right smack dab in the middle of some awful things. And there are others who aren't there yet. It's, it's going to happen. It's coming. They don't know it even if it's going to, it's going to happen. But there, there are those who have been through some tumultuous and, and painful times. There are those who are right in the middle of it. And for others, that, 
that pain is coming. They're going to endure some burdensome and some overwhelming and some, some horrendous days. And yet God fundamentally within these few verses, He's communicating two foundational truths. First, what He's communicating is you are not alone. You're not alone. I'm with you. And then secondly, He's communicating, I will redeem you. These are the promises of God. You are not alone. And I'll redeem you. And yet studies show that more people today in 2019 feel more alone than in recorded history. That in a world where we have access to connection, and you may very well have 2,000 friends on Facebook, so many feel isolated. In a world, in a world where soldiers, more soldiers are committing suicide after they return than are being killed in battle. Think about that. 22 veteran suicides a day. Recent statistics from the war in, in Iraq, where specifically in Iraq, I believe the death toll of American lives in Iraq was nearly 7,000. And last year, that number eclipsed for those who were involved in the, the conflicts in Iraq who have returned and committed suicide. There are many layers to that. But one is because of feelings of isolation. In a world of connection, somehow we are more alone. Isolated even when surrounded by people. I can think of a conversation with a friend years and years ago and he was going through something so very burdensome and he said something to the effect of, I feel like I'm in the middle of the ocean on a raft and the waves are overwhelming and no one hears my cries. Somehow in having the ease of connection, we are less and less connected and more and more isolated. And yet the Word of the Lord, the Word from the Lord, is you're not alone. And I will redeem you. Stick with me. Next passage. Psalm 49, verse 15. Where the psalmist writes, But God will redeem my life from the grave. Your version may read from the, from the pit. God will redeem my life from the grave. He will redeem my life from the pit. He will redeem my life from the depths. And He will surely take me. He will bring me unto Himself. Two beautiful words in this, in this passage. And they're the first two words. But God. But God. You may feel alone, and there's no detracting from that. You may be wronged. You may be treated unjustly. You've suffered loss. You've suffered hurt. You've suffered rejection. 
You've suffered discrimination. You've suffered setback after setback after setback. And the waves seem like they're overwhelming and no one hears your cries for help. In your burden, in your adversity, in your pain, you may feel overwhelmed. You may feel isolated. You may feel alone. But God, but God, God says to His people then and He says to His people today, you're not alone. And His promise to His people is I will redeem your story. And not only will I redeem your story, but His promise is I will redeem your pain. Redemption, the concept of redemption carries a number of meanings. To be redeemed by God is to be saved. To be purchased. To be liberated. To be transformed. To be made whole. It also carries with it the, the idea of healing. Now this is in keeping in step with who God is. This is keeping in step with who God is and who God is to His people. These are His promises to us. And this redemption, this promise of redemption, yes, it's, a, it's about eternity. Because there are some things that occur in this life that are never going to be made right. This side of eternity. And so God's promise of redemption is there's going to come a day when God makes everything that went wrong in this world right. And we praise God for that. But this redemption, it's a promise of here and now. And what's difficult is sometimes, sometimes what we are after is either what we had or what we had hoped for. And yet what we have is different. We want what was before or what our hopes had been. We struggle in allowing God to create a new normal or to rewrite our story, to redeem our story, to redeem our pain. But that's what He does if we'll allow it. I realize this is heavy stuff, but just stick with me for a few more minutes. This quote from Richard Rohr, Franciscan Richard Rohr, he writes this, he says, Suffering is the most effective way whereby we learn to trust, allow, and give control to God. I wish there was a different answer. But Jesus reveals on the cross both the path and the price of transformation. I thought of that psalm from, from earlier, but God, but God in, in reading this statement from Richard Rohr, where he says, but Jesus reveals on the cross both the path and the price of transformation. You see, God, God wants to redeem our pain. He wants to transform our pain. He wants to heal our pain. He wants to remake us. He wants to make us whole. But here's the truth about pain. Pain that's not transformed is often transmitted. Go to the next slide there. Pain that's not transformed is oftentimes transmitted. Awful, oftentimes it's, it's harmful 
to the relationships that we share with others. Even harmful to the relationship we share with God. And we each deal with pain differently. We each deal with pain differently and pain, deep pain, it affects each of us in different ways because we are unique people. And our pain is unique to us. But God, God redeems. God transforms. Even when we can't see or understand and especially when it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. God redeems our pain. His call is to trust Him. To praise Him in the storm. This from Psalm 103. The verses leading up to verse 4 that Tim read for us from a few few moments ago. Praise the Lord. Again, Yahweh, the covenant name of God. Praise the God of relationship. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise His holy name. The Lord who forgives. The Lord who heals. The Lord who redeems your life from the pit. And in the place of pain, because no one knows pain better than God, the Lord who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Pain transformed. The Lord who forgives. The Lord who heals. The Lord who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. The Lord who transforms. And it's precisely why the Gospel of Jesus is Gospel. It's why the good news of Jesus is good news. Because as awful and as painful as Friday is, on Sunday, God redeems the story. On Sunday, through the good news of Jesus, He redeems the pain, all pain. You see, that's the thing about Christians. As Christians, we believe the resurrection is true. We believe the resurrection is true. And what's the resurrection but God transforming pain? The Apostle Paul even describes it as glory. The resurrection is God transforming pain. Back to those two fundamental truths from God. You're not alone. And I'll redeem you. And a part of God's promise that we are not alone, a part of God's promise in that is that we're a part of one another. We're connected to one another. We're a part of one another's lives. As we journey as believers, as we journey, we journey together and our stories, our stories as they are written, They're interwoven together. And a part of God's promise, I will redeem you, is His redeeming our stories and redeeming our pain. God redeeming our pain. It's difficult. It requires great faith. And sometimes, even on our best days, we struggle. And yet, it's what God does. It's who God is. And it's what He offers, and it's found nowhere else. Let me try to illustrate and bring things together with with this. Go ahead and go to the next next slide there. With, uh, With six children who have all had tricycles and bicycles and scooters, 
in skateboards. Uh, along the way, along the way, we um, we've had some some scraped knees, some skint hands. If you if you if you've lived through childhood, or if you've if you've had children or grandchildren or, or cared for children, um, you kind of know what I'm talking about, right? Um, it's 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 pretty pretty comical. Even um, I had this uh, I had this this illustration ready to go. Um, you know, thinking, okay, this is a good way to bring things together at the end of at the end of the week. Um, really, by Thursday, because if I don't have things together by Thursday, I just can't sleep. And so I've got this ready to go by by Thursday. I'm thinking, okay, maybe this illustration is is a good way to bring things together. And uh, our our youngest two girls generally spend the night with my parents on Friday night. I thank God for that. But they they spend the night at my parents on on Friday on Friday night. And so yesterday. Uh, my oldest daughter, Casey, calls me and she says, Shelby wants you to bring her her skates. My parents live just a mile down the road from us. And so I go and I bring Shelby her skates. And our two youngest girls are in my parents' driveway. <clears throat> and they, my parents have this long, wide uh, driveway. And that's kind of their, their circuit. They're both learning how to ride, how to ride uh, bicycles without training wheels. And um, I was... I was secretly praying for one of them to fall and skin their knee just so I could help have a further illustration for you today. Um, but it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Kids with skint knees. Whenever you have a child that skins their knee and you see it happen, you're out there watching them and they're going around and around and boom, it happens. They fall and they skin that knee. What's the first thing they do after they get up and cry, obviously? What's the first thing they do? Now, the first thing you do is you get up out of your lawn chair in the garage and you run to them, right? It's the first thing you do. But what's the first thing they do? After they get up and after they start to cry, the first thing they do is this, right? The first thing they do is is they put their hands over, over the injury. Why? Because it's painful. Because it hurts. The first thing they do is apply pressure. And when you get to them, what's the first thing you do? Let me see it. I've got to see it. It's not going to get any better. It's not going to get any better until I see it. I can't take care of it until until you uncover it. And folks, that's the same. It's the same thing with us and God. It's painful, I know. Yes, God says. I know it's painful. But if you don't uncover it, I can't help you. I can't heal you. I can't make it better. God redeems our pain. He redeems our stories. He redeems our pain. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, Jason, this was Friends Day, and you had one shot at it. And this is the topic that you chose? The first thing I would say is, is um, trying to be open to the Spirit in this, because it's difficult to argue with the Spirit. There's an old adage in preaching. Preach to those who are hurting, and preach to them often. You see, we, each, of us, each of us have our own pain. 
God's offer is to redeem that from us. God's offer is to be God to us, to be Father to us, to run to us. Our task is to trust Him. This morning, I am so grateful that you have chosen to to be here. Grateful for your life. And again, God doesn't do random. And so I believe that He has brought us each here together today for a purpose. Here in a moment, we'll sing an invitation song and we'll we'll have elders here at the front. We'll have elders who stand at the back and they would be honored to pray over you if you're struggling in some way. If we can pray for you publicly as a church family, as a body of believers today, we would be honored to do so. If you're here today and you've never given your life to God through Jesus, if you've never been baptized into Christ, I ask you to come forward. I'll meet you as you do. As we stand and as Aaron leads us in song.